What up, you oscillating ostriches? I'm back. Me, singular. Yes, I regret to inform you, this is a solo episode, but don't go anywhere yet. Look at how long it is, all right? And there's barely any dead silence in that thing, okay? So you already know how long it was. It's got to be over 40 minutes, depending on how long this intro takes me. And this is my first take. Or am I going to say that every take? Neither of us know. Um, Grant's down for the count, okay? He's sick. Um, future David to you, we'll probably talk about that, um, past David to me. Um, but yeah, so I'm here alone this week, but we cover all the usual goodies, okay? We do Jujutsu Kaisen Season 2, Episode 18, Pluto Episode 2. There's actually a surprising amount of news uh, to talk about. Um, and then uh, Free Rin, Episodes 9 through 12. I don't do a whole breakdown of each, that would be absurd. Before I briefly... Uh, uh, dog on the kingdoms of ruin for a little bit and then we're back with a fantastic q a segment at the end of the show which you can find on our instagram at part-time otaku podcast okay in the stories every monday we host the q a if i remember to put it up or if vivian does sometimes it doesn't happen but that's fine okay we're adults we can do what we want um shouts out to the comic book shop at 128 bank street in ottawa at thecomicbookshop.com or their instagram at comicbookshopbank shop spelt s-h-o-p-p-e for their continued support of the show they've been with us like this entire year supporting the show and uh you know what show them some love because they're showing us love we're here because of them um check out their website check out you know their in-person physical location on bank they've got you know surprisingly comics they've got manga they've got figurines they've got gundam build kits magic they even like have magic gatherings over there you see what i did there um but anyway check them out let them know that we sent you um i think that's about it uh like i said grant's not here but just strap in enjoy this he's still gonna have to do this edit so grant please it's me i'm here alone Bit of a different episode this week. Well, I guess past Dave will have filled you in on uh, what the details are. Um, but he's, I'm, that's future me, to me, currently in the present. So um, hopefully I handled that well. Um, so yeah, Grant's down for the count. He's out. I was out last time. You know, I had real life things. He's sick. Um, one could say he brought this upon himself when he decided to procreate because children are disease bags that infect everything around them. But I digress. Uh, no, I'm kidding. We hope Grant's okay. We wish him well and a speedy recovery. He'll be back next week, I'm sure, uh, to chastise me about all of my takes on this podcast because he's not here to keep me in check. And uh, now you have to deal with it. So you're welcome. Um, we're going to talk about, well, again, I guess past day will have, you know, filled you in what we're going to talk about. So let's just jump into it. Let's get busy with the Jujutsu Kaisen season two episode 18. I will warn you, okay? I, like I said, I'm here alone. Grant isn't here to balance me out. I've got a hyperactive cat uh, behind me whose automatic food uh, feeder situation is going to go off in like 10 minutes time. I'm going to try and time that with the magic of editing um, so that it doesn't bother you, but I'm telling you here now because, well, there's a good chance I'm not going to do that properly and uh, it's going to interrupt us and you're going to have to deal with it because I have to deal with it. You know, what is this, Sirius XM? Okay, you get you get what you pay for, which is nothing, by the way. You're welcome. I'm not bitter. Okay, um, all right. Jujutsu Kaisen Season 2, Episode 18. There's your spoiler alert, okay? Chill. 
Um, man, Jiu-Jitsu Kaizen. Not really slowing down, but, I mean, at least the story isn't. Um, the Shibuya incident, I think, you know, last week, they really put the incident in, uh, in the arc name. But uh, animation-wise, definitely a bit of a chink in the armor. Um, this episode, I think I probably wasn't the only one to notice. You know, it wasn't really looking like its usual self. I mean, there was a lot of, you know, postulating online earlier last week about, like, you know, are they even going to make it in time to get this episode out? Um, you know, we, we kind of continue to cover this week to week. Um, you know, the scandal this week... Um, around the time that this episode was coming out was I think one of their main animators tweeted something that roughly translated to I want to die quickly and then it was deleted after 15 minutes I don't know man I, shockingly and again I think this may come as a surprise to you we're not going to solve the uh, work conditions and working culture of Japan and specifically uh, just production schedules in the anime industry on this podcast, uh, which is probably coming in at under an hour. I don't think we're going to be able to get to the root of it or uh, propose any meaningful solutions. Okay, so I'm sorry about that. Um, but I, you know, I think I echo what everyone else is saying. It's shitty. It's it's, you know, it's a bummer. I think it's, you know, if Grant was here, he'd be half glass full about it, and he would say, I think it's positive that employees are starting to communicate publicly about this kind of thing because as far as i'm aware that wasn't that hasn't been super common i think like people kind of suck it up and work the unworkable conditions until they burn out and then uh you know like mappa puts out some subpar product and then uh they might like extend things a little bit, then, you know, the animation quality recovers, and then we forget about it until they announce that they've taken on 13 more major projects. Um, so I don't know, man. Um, rough spot. I will say, you know, if we're talking strictly about the anime, like, this was among the weaker episodes of the season. Um, not that it's, like, bad. It's still a great episode. Um, but yeah, there are some rough frames in this. And like, especially when they're trying to key on on really emotional moments and Yuji looks like he's like a fan-drawn animation, that's tough. Um, I think obviously, and I've spoken long enough to give you a spoiler warning, okay? So this is your last one. About, you know, the big thing this episode is Nanami, right? He's got this scene on the beach where he's kind of flashing back and forth between, you know, kind of what he's picturing, what we're hoping maybe, you know, death looks like for him on the other side, and kind of this hellish two-faced version of him fighting all these uh, transfigured humans on a subway platform. Um, I think as far as execution goes, it worked for me. I liked the piano. I liked the flashes back and forth. Um, I think my favorite part is, like, you know the most gruesome part, the conversation with uh, Mahito. You know, the whole, you're here, I've been here the whole time, Yuji coming around the corner, that in particular is the rough animation sequence I'm thinking about. Um, and then the whole, you know, Nanami gets this really good final line and they have this like really beautiful use of silence when he goes. I thought that was like a really, really good decision. We talk about the importance of like how to use silence effectively 
there's a scene in 86 I think of every time I think about that and then also just the entire series of Sunny Boy um, and in, at, at parts Neon Genesis but um, I think he went well I think when you care about a character and you know they have to die you want them you want their death to have meaning but you also want it to be like a memorable moment an episode and like what does it mean in the larger context of the show I don't know the answer to that but as death scenes go, it was good. We have a good Q&A on uh, Nanami's death scene that we're going to save till the end of the show, but I thought it was well handled, and the ensuing fight with Mahito was relatively good. Um, it was entertaining. Like, what we've talked about a lot, I think, week to week when it comes to Jujutsu Kaisen is, like, how creative their fights are, and... You know, Mahito is a complete vehicle for creativity, right? Just, like, by nature of his cursed technique, I guess, everything he does is, like, transfiguration, right? So, like, what he can do in a fight is really only limited by the animator's imagination. Um, actually, speaking of which, I will say one one uh, small critique I have of the Ninanami Mahito scene is I saw the manga panel for it, and they were actually face-to-face -face, um, in the panel instead of Mahito being behind Nanami. And I think... You know, it's a nitpick, but I think face-to-face -face would have been better. It's more intimate, it's more personal, and especially this artsy way they went with, like, the use of silence and that final line, like, I leave, you know, you take it from here, or I leave it to you. I don't know. Um, I think face-to-face -face might have been better, but I digress. Um, one thing I will say, you know, it's not their best work um, animation-wise, but it is still a good fight. I've mentioned it's creative already. Um... They used to like the claustrophobia, like the way they have Mahito leveraging his technique to literally like smush Itadori into a confined space and like limit the fight to this little, little narrow slit. Also very creative, very like heavily, I don't even know if you would call it CG, but just like heavily textured. It looks a little off. Um, but what I was going to say is I do think the audience can become numb to it. I don't know how many episodes in a row we've had just fights, fights, fights. But I do think when you're not doing like crazy genre defining shit, like I saw a YouTube thumbnail earlier today about how Sukuna versus Makara was generational. I don't know about that, but it does seem to have been a really big deal. And it seemed to have generated a huge amount of online chatter. Um, but, you know... When you get, like, a fight that's only okay in a season completely focused on, like, really, really big fights, and especially just the last, what, five, six, seven, eight episodes, this is episode 18 of the season, and they've all been pretty action-heavy, and then you get one that's kind of only okay, I don't know, um, I, think, I think it takes a little bit of the sting out of it, like, it hits a little bit less hard. I'm not quite as on the edge of my seat as I have been, because I have to be honest, I don't know how this fight goes, but I have a feeling that Yuji doesn't die and neither does Mahito. Now, I could be wrong because I didn't think about all these characters dying in this arc, but Mahito's kind of the only one left, and Yuji's the main character. Now, I don't know, have I been wrong before? Yeah, but like, it's hard to feel like there are intense stakes in this particular fight. Um... I would love to be proven wrong. I just find myself a little bit like... I was kind of hoping to see what uh, Ghetto and Mei Mei were up to this episode. Or I would, like, when are we going to get to the um, 
forgive me for the term, but like the post-mortem, like so much has happened. So many curses are dead. So many sorcerers are dead. Um, like a lot of things are changing right now. And like, when do we deal with the fallout of Gojo being uh, subdued the way he has been? So I'm excited to see where all that goes. We haven't seen Toto yet. Grant keeps mentioning that Utah's going to be in this episode or in this season rather. Like when's all that going to happen versus like, I don't know, another fight in the subway station that, like, I don't know will end up mattering. That's my half-glass empty take. Um, but, yeah, like, does this serve to give Itadori, like, a power boost? And, like, it like did they nail his frustration? I think yes. I think that worked. But I don't know. I wasn't uh, blown away by this one in particular. And that in no way means that, like, I think the rest of the season isn't going to be great. I think it's going to be fantastic. But this was, like, a bit of a dip for me. I think maybe the animation quality uh, played played a hand in that, um, but yeah, you know, onward and upward. We'll we'll see where we go from here. I'm very excited. All right. Anyway, um, did you catch that cut? Maybe if I didn't bring attention to it, you wouldn't have caught it. Well, we're here now. Uh, let's talk about Pluto episode two. I'm not going to go super long on this. This was a really good episode. We meet a few new robots, uh, Adam being, I think, like the really big one, but also Brando and Hercules. Uh, Grant would say, like, they're fleshing out the world, and I bet Grant would say it feels very lived in, because it does. Um, I think one thing they're doing really well is they continue to reference their own history in this show like they keep mentioning the 39th central asian war i believe that's something that it reminds me of a uh, game of thrones and like just that property in general is you don't feel like you've been dropped in and like you're learning everything alongside the main character you feel like you've been dropped in and you have to catch up because it's like a real place where there's politics and history and you know just all this stuff right like this whole you know robots with rights and this and that and i don't know um it's been around i guess is my point um and i think that they're doing a really good job of it um i you know they were pretty heavy on this like crazy tornado tornado cgi fight thing um this time around like i think they handled it a little bit differently than they handled like the north number two fight at the end of the first um episode this time there's like a little split or a little twist rather that like kind of all of the robots sort of feel this particular fight when it happens i don't know it i might have to rewatch it before i watch the third one to be honest but um i also think one of the themes i'm picking up on and forgive me if you've watched this show and the shit is just obvious but i think that they this is not a robot right this is like robots are already so far along or at least like some of these newer gen ones like Greshit and adam that it's becoming difficult to tell them apart from real humans like i mean i feel like that's part of the pilot is when you meet detective Greshit, the audience Greshit, whatever the audience doesn't know that he's a robot until he reveals it right like there are obviously little cues we pick up on later he's not actually drinking um you know what I mean? They kind of observe social convention for the sake of doing it in order to, I don't know, appear more human. But I think the question is like, why are they doing that? Are they doing it because it makes humanity more comfortable? Or like in Adam's case, does he actually want to eat? Because he does. You know what I mean? Like there's that whole conversation with those two in the cafe that I think was 
very interesting and then obviously later like he cries about it and it's um i don't know i feel you know it's i don't think i'm taking a major leap here i don't know anything about astro boy grant surprised me with that whole talk about it last week like i didn't know any of this was connected to that um but it feels like i'm assuming we're going down this path of you know the robots and ai kind of bleeding into actual intelligence or agi as we call it nowadays um but I don't know. Um, I, I continue to believe that this thing looks like a movie. Um, I I think it was studio, what, like M2 or something like that? I don't know. Um, but, you know, the episodes are an hour long. Yeah, it is Studio M2. Fucking nailed it. Um, eight episodes. It's number 74 on my anime list. And, I like, this thing was so big, it got into Sam's news feed. Um you know, not from my, like, anime algorithm, you know what I mean? Like, it was, uh, I think, in the top 10 on Netflix when it came out. I don't know. Um, you know, it's coming off the conversation about MAPPA and Jujutsu Kaisen and just working conditions. I don't know. It feels like whoever made this took their time. That's not to say that uh, Netflix properties, um, animated properties, are all developed with, like, a perfect production schedule. From what I understand, it seems to be a pretty industry-wide uh, problem, but... All of that said, this thing looks like it was made with a lot of love and a lot of time put into it. I'm curious if they maintain this level of quality throughout. Like, I remember that was one of the big things about Arcane was like, holy shit, like, how did they do this? But then, you you know, you see the release schedule for season two and you're like, ah, that's how they do it. They take fucking years to make it. Curious how long this thing was made and, you know, what the production process was like, but yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm really digging it. I, th I can easily stick to our commitment of one episode of this per week. Um, I think it may, you know, uh, I'm looking at the calendar. But I think we'll wrap it up. Actually, I might have to speed it up if I wanted to wrap it up by end of year. But, you know, I'm sure we'll do like our favorite anime of 2023. We'll do one of those podcasts in early 24. If it continues like this level of quality, I have a feeling that uh, that may end up on that episode. But we'll see. See, a little bit of promo for you. Things to look forward to. Um, okay, let's talk about some news, shall we? Uh, first uh, and least important, uh, there's a Sinister Six movie in development in the works at Sony um, because I think their strategy has been let's make movies that are for no one. And it seems to be going great. Tom Hardy's loving it. Um, no, but I mean, seriously, I, I don't know what they're thinking over there. I mean, I think that the game right now is probably just like if you have a superhero piece of IP, why not, <laughs> I guess? Um, I don't know, man. Like, who's asking for this? And more importantly, who's asking for a Sinister Six movie that is connected to no current Spider-Man? Or do they, like, drag Tom Holland kicking and screaming, even though the guy has said repeatedly he doesn't want to be Spider-Man anymore? Um, or do they, like, say fuck it and they make a Miles Morales story around Sinister Six? Like, that would be a breath of fresh air. But the problem is, even a breath of fresh air at this stage is, like, even if it's really good, which, let's be honest, like, the chances of that are tough, um, who's asking for it? You know, like, what I said to Grant last week is, like, I keep hearing about Loki Season 2. Everybody's talking about how great it is. And then I ask people, have you seen it? And they're like, fucking no. I'm exhausted. I don't want to watch more MCU content or more superhero stuff. And so it's like, it, even if you get one out of five that are really good, 
or that is really good like who's gonna watch it because every they watch the other four first and like they're done they're tired so i don't know um maybe this is a topical time to bring up this current quote that's going around right now about bob Iger from a deadline interview or a story that they did that he says disney's current focus is quality over quantity i don't know bob this is one of like this is like one of those things i have an anecdote about this it's like you would think that that would be your focus all the time no or did you like did you like a few years ago before he left did he go hey guys i'm retiring but my marching orders are Let's focus on quantity over quality. And then I'll return later to save the day. Like, I don't think that's how it worked. Um, my anecdote on this, it reminds me of something. My friend got pulled over once, and I think he was, like, speeding or something. Like, he, he was probably pulled over for, like, a genuine reason, right? And the cop that pulled him over was like, hey, like, I know you're only going, like, a couple over, but, like, we're really on it this week or um, this whole month is seatbelt awareness month and speeding month, speeding awareness month. And we want to be really stringent on letting people know this, like you can't mess around. And my friend being who he is, he goes, as opposed to every other month, it's like, so you're not usually focused on that or you're just like extra, extra focused on that. Like what's the, where's the line in the sand where you're like, well, it's January and you're only going 10 over. So I'm going to let it go by. But if it was February, you know what I mean? It's just weird. It feels kind of ass backwards. And that's how Bob Iger's quote feels. It's like, yeah, no shit quality over quantity. Like, I don't know. This is a recent problem that they've had. And also like, let, lest we forget, like, remember how long it takes to produce one of these shows, and that Bob Iger himself kind of greenlit most of these fucking things, okay? So, I don't know, he's in a bed of his own making. I don't think there are any tears for the current state of the MCU, unless you visit their subreddit, uh, in which case, um, well, you may as well use it as lube. Okay, moving on, uh, the War of the Rohirrim, uh, is connected to the Peter Jackson Lord of the Rings, not to the Amazon Prime's uh, Rings of Power. Um, so I then had to Google the War of the Rohirrim because I didn't know what it was. Is it a series? Is it not? Uh, and then I found out it's an animated fantasy film. Uh, and then I said, oh, no one will care about this. And then I was going to remove it from the newsfeed, but instead I told it to you. So you're welcome. Um, a recent special has hit YouTube that I highly recommend everybody check out. It's by Louis Katz, Katz, K-A-T-Z, called The Best Comic You've Never Heard Of. Um, I wanted to give Grant this recommendation because, you know, like the world of stand-up comedy is so insane right now. Um, and, you know, there's just so many different places you can find your comics. And a lot of them are seem to be going direct consumer on youtube and i saw this whole special on this joke world channel which i recommend you follow on youtube if you're a fan of stand-up comedy and they kind of they get all these big named comics you know mark maron david tell um to kind of intro louis katz as this comic that everybody loves but nobody knows because i guess he's just really bad at promoting himself um and uh, having a podcast that is uh, not super great at promoting itself, I totally understand where they're coming from. Like, it is kind of the least fun part of the gig, to be honest. And I think that Louis Katz talks about that in his special, and I can it resonated with me a little bit. And most importantly, it's a really good special. It's one of the best written pieces of stand-up comedy I've seen in a little while. Um, so if you're into that, take a peek. Um... Marvel's uh, Avengers The Kang Dynasty has a new writer, Michael Waldron. I don't know if he's a new one, but he's a writer known for, I think he did Loki, 
uh, you know, Rick and Morty, Doctor Strange. He's done some Rick and Morty, easy. Uh, Doctor Strange uh, and the Multiverse of Madness. Um, so yeah, I don't know. He's been tapped to write that. I think he'd already been set to write um, some other Marvel properties. Grant may have actually mentioned this last week, but I don't know. It's official now, so we'll see what they do. I wonder if his first uh, order of business will be changing the title of the movie because, yeah, I don't know. I haven't heard of um, that. I haven't heard anything, you know, since that big variety piece that came out about the crisis at Marvel and they're considering everything between bringing RDJ back, which, my God, um, to recasting Jonathan Majors. I don't know how all that's going to end up. Um, and I got to be honest, I'm losing interest day by day, but here we are. Um, Christopher Nolan says he will not be directing the next James Bond. I don't know. I actually kind of wanted that to happen. Like, I know everybody plays, like, celebrity film matchmaker. Like, oh my god, if only Tarantino did a Star Trek movie. Be honest, that would be dope. Just like it would be dope to get Nolan to do a James Bond movie. Um, but at the same time, it's like, I, I think... Again, I'm stating the obvious here, but I think it like the stars really have to align for this kind of shit to work, right? Nolan seems to be a pretty specific guy, and a lot of those specificities don't seem, in my mind, to line up with the Bond franchise. Like he hates CGI. He'd probably want to cast his own Bond, though. This would be the moment to do it. Um, you'd want to do everything probably in IMAX. He's probably really picky. Um, I think if you're like the people in charge, I forget the family's name, but if you're part of the family in charge of the Bond franchise, like you can just get any up and coming director. When I say up and coming, I mean like someone who has had like a Hollywood blockbuster, but maybe not, has not necessarily taken on a big piece of franchise IP. Um, and like get them to play within the confines of what you want and they'll kind of be happy, right? Like there's this quote, that came out this week from Taika Waititi being like, I didn't really want to do Thor, but I had children to feed. Now, granted, like, Thor Ragnarok ended up being fucking great. But, like, do you think he was walking around with the, you know, in between writing the Jojo Rabbit's uh, adapted screenplay, being like, oh, but if only I could do Thor? Like, fucking no. Guy had to pay his bills. Ended up crushing it. Um, so, I don't know. I think Bond will be fine. Um, it, it is a shame, though, because Nolan... A Nolan Bond movie would have been dope. Um, it would have been interesting to see if he cast somebody, but who knows? Maybe we'll see. Maybe not. And uh, lastly, and probably leastly, there's a uh, live-action Naruto movie in the works because if there's one lesson we haven't learned yet in anime, it's that uh, we need more of these live-action adaptations. Don't come at me with your One Piece shit, okay? Because one out of 1,000 of these worked doesn't mean everybody gets to do it. But I mean, yeah, again... Grant's not here to balance me out. For all I know, it'll be great, okay? Um, okay, Free Run. Dude, we're like 37 episodes behind on Free Run. I think just because of the schedule we've had. You know, I was traveling, he's sick. AOT special. I'm not gonna cover Free Run in, like, in crazy detail uh, in this moment. What I will say is the arc from episode, I think, you know, 7 or 8, all through 10 or 11... Um, basically the Aura, the guillotine, uh, arc and like the whole Lugner and Lenny versus Stark and Fern, that whole conflict, um, that was some real shit. This show 
is astounding. I think I just pu- uh, published a TikTok. That's right. We're on TikTok. Follow us, Part Time Otaku Podcast. Um, saying like, yeah, this might be the best thing on TV right now, our best anime currently airing right now. And I say that watching and sincerely enjoying Jujutsu Kaisen season two. And like, they couldn't be more different, but I love it. I absolutely love it. I love the world building. I love the fantasy. I think more than anything, I love free run. I think, um, you know, I, I hate that I didn't make this association. It was actually Liana, go figure. It upsets me. But uh, we're at my birthday party, um, I turned 22, and Sam had thrown me this dope birthday party, by the way, that was Mad Men themed, because we're currently um, finishing that for her first time, so she had like, you know, campaign posters up, there was, you know, the drinks from the show that they all have, little callbacks, like those candy Popeye cigarettes, because smoking was cool back then, um... Yeah, I don't know, you know, killer birthday party, shout out, but I asked um, Liana how she was digging free run, and she said, like, it's melancholy, and, you know, that's that resonates, I think, with a lot of people, and, like, melancholy is just the perfect word, I think, um, for this show. There's something bittersweet and kind of sad about it, um, and it's built into the beginning, but the more you get to know Freerun, like, the more you kind of feel bad. And I don't even know if she feels bad. I don't know if she's depressed, but I don't know if she's super happy either. And the I think the editing of the show is what really sends that home, right? Anytime we th- she thinks about a certain thing, how she should handle a situation, she thinks back to her time with Himmel and that whole crew of heroes, which, like as she has stated in the grand scheme of things, is a pretty small piece of her life. But it seems to have been a really critical one, which, like, ergo, the whole quest that they're on. So, I don't know. Um, I I think it's nostalgic. You know, there's, like, this longing that she has to be, I don't know, but reunited with Himmel, or so much as it is, like, to do it over again, I don't know, but it's bittersweet, it's beautiful, this show is like, I think this is one of those shows, it's like, this is what you show someone for the first time in anime, like, you don't show them Attack on Titan, as I have done countless times, and have ruined people's enjoyment of the medium, but, like, this is offering something so specific, and it has none of the shitty anime tropes that I complain about all the time, you know what I mean? It doesn't have any of these shitty fan service moments or the comedy that sometimes sometimes only hits if you're used to watching anime. So I don't know. Um, I keep saying I don't know, and then I like, and then I talk about all these things I feel. So maybe I'll stop that. But I think you get what I'm saying. Free Run is unreal. I absolutely love it. I loved episode twelve. It was everything I love about this show put into one episode. It literally has everything. It's got you know the reflection on you know free Rin's kind of past relationships with himmel and co there's this little subplot about not be him himmel not being able to pull the um sword out of the stone and then like these like surreptitious cuts to stark so you gotta wonder where does that go if anywhere are they just teasing us there's a whole monster battle we see some character development you know stark jumping in a little bit more readily now fern backup um free run working like the three of them working as a bit more of a cohesive team which makes sense considering what they just went through in this whole aura the guillotine arc together 
they're, you can see them growing. And you can see Freerun growing, thinking about Stark's birthday. And, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, and then she cooks him a dinner, and, like, it's, it's so weirdly specific. But, like, it's dope. It had violence, it had feelings, it had music, it had gags. Yeah, the show is fantastic. And, you know, like, we, had, we haven't mentioned the animation. The animation is strong as hell. The fight scenes are fantastic. They don't seem to have, you know, I think they're playing the whole way through for 24, 28 episodes or something, two consecutive cores. Um, I haven't heard a peep about um, the production schedule being hellish. That doesn't mean that it wasn't. Let's also be real. Um, but man, like, I, every time I look about, or I look at the uh, discussions on Reddit about this kind of thing, I just see how happy the manga readers are. They're like, holy shit, like, we're, we're getting the adaptation that everybody hopes for. And even then, like, I'm seeing... People saying, wow, like the anime changed this and like they it allowed them to shine a brighter light on this particular thing. And I like that change. Like people are happy about the changes being made to the anime. So I don't know, man. I'm uh, fuck, I said it again. Um, <laughs> but it's it's really, really, really good. If you haven't seen Free Rin Beyond Journey's End, I cannot recommend it enough. I'm I will not miss a week of this show. Non negosh. Okay? Um that's about that. Uh, I was gonna briefly talk about Kingdoms of Ruin because it's what I watch when I hate myself and I have nothing else to watch. Because I am both engaged in Kingdom in Kingdoms of Ruin and I openly laugh at it. Like I don't know, I don't know what they're trying to do. I don't know how serious this show is trying to take itself, but it is absolutely like made for edge lords, which <laughs> is, and like it's absolutely absurd. Um, but it's almost funny. Like, I don't want to say it's funny bad, but it might be funny bad. You know what I mean? Like, but it has all these pieces of a show that it, that might make it good. Or if it, if they were assembled slightly differently, it might be a better show. Like it has good world building. It has interesting characters. There's cool, like power systems and mechanics and magic and, interplanetary travel imagine like there's all this weird shit um but then like the just some of the dialogue man and like some of the way the some of the ways the characters behave it's like all right now i'm turning this off um but then like i'll come back every other week um so i'm not watching it you know i'm not 100 caught up but every now and then nothing else on i'll i'll turn it on and i'm curious if other people are watching this and if so are you are you just like It'd be funny if like people are just like really into it and I'm just here dogging it. But I something tells me that's not the case because I haven't heard anybody else talk about it. Um, but yeah, Kingdoms of Ruin. That's those are my brief thoughts on that. Um, okay, the Q and A. I foreshadowed this uh, earlier. Um, this is from Abenak the Goat. I haven't done a Q and A in a little while. Um, so it's only fitting, uh, that she gets another question in here and it's a topical one about Jujutsu Kaisen. So like I said, it's, it's relevant to this week. So here's a question. Oh, and by the way, if you're curious about how to submit the Q and A, you can do it on our Instagram at part-time otaku podcast. We put it in the stories every Monday, probably. Um, 
Okay, here's the question. With Nanami's death, was it needed to give Yuji another push to the edge, letting Nanami give his last words to him? I felt as though with Sukuna taking over and how episode 17 ended, Yuji was already ready to fight. And if Mahito versus Nobara works out in Mahito's favor, that's extra, uh, that's extra ammunition. Did you like it slash appreciate how it was handled or the fake out for what it was? I think it's a good question. I think um, it's difficult. Um... I think the short answer, and I will, you know, elaborate because that's how that's central to my existence. But um, I think it was well done. I think that Yuji seeing Nanami die and seeing him be killed by a guy he already wants to kill, because don't forget that he, you know, the Junpei murder in season one, that's the second time Mahito has taken someone away from Yuji in front of him. And I think, you know, um, Yuji's connection with Nanami was much stronger than what he had with Junpei, right? Nanami was a total mentor. Um, we don't know a lot about Yuji's family history, but I think it's probably clear to say he's a little bit in need of some role models. Um, and I think Nanami was one of those. And, you know, he's kind of lost Gojo and, and Nanami now, and things feel pretty destitute it, it, it's not looking good i think like your point is a good one which is like did he really need the push i don't know i think he might have um i think i think there's a difference between <laughs> hear me out and sentences i this was this sentence was not on my bingo card but there's a difference between your alter ego cre uh causing mass murder and destruction using you as a vessel and then, like, watching powerlessly as one of the few mentors you have left is killed helplessly in front of you. I think they're both very bad. And to your point, they both are probably plenty of ammunition to try and, like, set things right. But, you know, and then there's Mahito's kind of whole subplot, like, and, and, and this has been explored a lot in the anime, um, that you can get to Yuji, right? And, like, you can't get to Gojo, the same way you can get to Yuji by causing death of the innocent around him. And it like this clearly has an effect on him. But also in that fight, one of the first thing Yuji says to himself is Nanami wouldn't let his anger throw his logic out the window, right? And then you kind of see a more composed Yuji throughout the rest of that fight. Um, and I think, you know, he does a better job than he kind of has historically, which is interesting. I think... If I have a problem with it, it's what I said earlier. I have a problem with the stakes because I'm not super convinced that either of them actually lose. Um, I think too many people have died, both on the curse side and the sorcerer side. And that's not a complaint, but I think like you can't then kill either of these two because Mahito is the only baddie really left out of that bunch, and Yuji is the fucking main character. Like, yeah, fine, you can subvert my expectations, but it's like, where does that leave the show if you do that? You know what I mean? So. I'm confused as to where we go from here. Um, I, I also think that they've handled Yuji in a very peculiar way this episode, this season, right? Like, they give him one 1v1. He loses. He's healed by Sukuna, who, ex you know, wipes Shibuya off the map. Then he comes back for another fight that he should on paper lose, but then is competitive in it. I don't know. I, I don't know where Yuji's character is going. And as far as the Nobara stuff, like, she's barely been in the season. She's been in, like, a couple scenes. So, killing her, 
I mean, maybe it makes sense because they barely used her and it's like, oh, okay, like let's squeeze the last of the blood out of that stone since they haven't really leveraged her character so far. But I also doubt that happening too. But then like if you told me that Nanami and Maki were going to get iced in quick succession, I probably would have doubted that too. But I also, seeing Nanami kind of come back only to die again, which I think for the record did take some of the heat, pun intended, out of his death, makes me now second guess whether Maki's actually down for the count too. So maybe that leaves more room for another character death. I, I don't know. I don't know. I think, you know, I, I talked earlier at the beginning of the podcast about liking Mahito's, like, the result of his curse technique is, like, it leaves a lot of room for, like, creative fights and animation and innovation. I keep saying like a lot, too. I think without Grant here, I'm noticing all these little things, but... Anyway, I don't love that he was able to split in two. I guess that's what I'm getting at. Um, it's convenient, whatever. Storytelling does that sometimes. But it's a little too convenient and kind of irritating. Though, I'm thinking now, was there precedent for that? I don't know. If you know there was, if they've done that before in the anime, fine. I'll let it go. Let me know if they did. Um, but yeah, the death worked for me. It. I think it was the right ammunition um, for Yuji in that moment. But to you, was it potentially overkill? Yeah, sure. I, I think, you know, I couldn't fault you if you had that take. Um, as far as, like, the fake-out for Nanami's death, yeah, I think I alluded to that earlier. I, I don't love that they, like, killed him to kill him again. But if I had to choose between the two, I like this one better. So, yeah, I hope that answers your question. Great question. I bet that would have uh, resulted in a long conversation uh, had Grant been here. But he'll be here next week, okay? And we'll talk about Jujutsu Kaisen and Pluto and Freerin, and whatever else is uh, on and uh, in the news then. So thanks for listening to this special solo episode. I always wonder, you know, I always think to myself, can I really talk in a room alone for 40 minutes? And here we are, so I don't know what that says. Um, definitely not Bill Burr, but maybe, you know, maybe if I ever end up in a padded cell, I won't feel so uh, alone about it. All right, ending on some darkness. Sorry about that. Um, okay, we'll be back next week. Subscribe to the podcast on Spotify, Apple Music, follow us on TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, at Part-Time Otaku Podcast. Shout out to the comic book shop on Bank Street for their continued support of the show. Grant isn't here to say the thing, so for now, I will say bye, guys. Cheers.